MLB and the Players Association are still not getting anywhere. Also, we'll discuss the top 10 second baseman and shortstops in baseball right now. Alright, welcome to Total Bases here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I am Mark Marino here with Greg Marino and Don Bistrito, and today is Friday, February 18th. So, as I mentioned in the intro, really nothing going on with these negotiations, even with spring training you know, preseason games should be starting yeah. very soon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as Rob Manford said, you know, about a week or so ago, we expect spring training to start as normal. Well, so on on Tuesday of this week, catchers and pitchers were supposed to report. So spring training is not starting as normal. Yeah, I kind of knew this would happen when Rob Manford said one week ago that they were going to figure it all out in the next three days. I didn't really buy into Yeah, that's that. just nonsense. Of and course, that's not going to happen. Uh I mean, we as we talked about the last few shows a lot, it's mostly this arbitration stuff. Uh, I think the owners are actually mostly in favor of that. So, I mean, I think we're going to see players getting play, paid more in their prime and less when they're, like, old and over the hill, which I am – I definitely well, agree with that. Well, but, I, I, I would I like to point out that that sounds good, but it kind of makes it tougher for the small market teams to compete since then they have to pay so much money to their good young players. And also – the, I think the Players Association actually recently demanded more of this pre-arbitration pool money, which doesn't currently exist. It was they were demanding a hundred million, and then they raised that to one hundred fifteen million. This is yeah. the time to make compromise, not to make greater. Yeah, and demands. the owners are asking for you a lot less than that, so it's kind of a problem. But that's you know, a lot of what we talked about. I think another one of the big things is I think the owners are requesting a salary cap, and the players are really against that. So that's not really getting dealt with at all. Like. I think salary cap meaning there's only so much you can pay a player, and of course the players want to get paid as much as possible, so they don't want a salary cap. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that though, because that would just mean that the guys who are making like 350 million want to instead make like 250 million. Which yeah. you know, like once their numbers that big, is it really that big a difference? It's like a hundred million dollars. But like, when at you're this point, getting at this point, it's just like, oh, well, I want to make yeah. more money than <laughs> this guy made or something. So I mean, yeah, I think I I would agree with that too, but. It seems like a lot of people are siding with the Players Association here, and I am for the most part. But I think the players, at a certain point, the Players Association has to make some compromises. What it sounds like to me is they're really not making any. They're just being really stubborn and kind of demanding no salary cap, a lot of you know, pre-arbitration money. Like, it really seems like the Players Association is being pretty stubborn here, and for some reason everyone's unanimously agreeing with them. Yeah, the Players Association does seem to have more of this support from the public. But I, yeah, I also don't really agree with that. I think at this point, like, they just need to get a season going, and the players are the ones really not preventing that from happening. Yeah, the players, they they stand to really do well in this overall agreement. They're already getting a lot of things. Like, I think that service time is going to come six years instead of the manipulation, usually turning it into seven years before free agency. Um, arbitration. It's super twos, which is when you get to arbitration. Sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's three. It used to only be 22% of players um, get it after two years. Now it seems like it might be like 80%, but the players are demanding yeah. 100%. It just seems like the players are expecting a perfect agreement for them when they could just settle for a still really good agreement. Yeah, for them. And I mean, same with the owners. Neither side seems to be making that many compromises. And really, as we were discussing kind of before, you know, we started doing the show, like if, if, they, if they didn't come to an agreement in the last you know, three months, what makes us think that they're going to come to an agreement in the next two weeks? Well, I feel like the things that they're debating in some respects are not super important. Like, the 
the arbitration thing, 100 billion versus 150 billion, like I just don't see the point in making that demand. I'm sure the I mean, play association is going to retract that. Yes, but the owners are nowhere close to even paying 100 million. I don't know. I feel like that a lot of these things are kind of relatively unimportant in the grand scheme of things, especially when compared to the losses that will result from not playing a full season. I mean, yeah, so, I, we've seen that the players association and owners clearly do not care if there's a season. That's it's pretty obvious to me at this point that for the last three months they've just been arguing and not coming to any agreements. So what makes us think that they're going to come to an agreement in the next two weeks? Yeah. It's pretty obvious to me that they don't care if there's a season. I mean, I think they definitely care. I, I to think some they definitely are. Like, I kind so of agree much. with you, Don. To the extent I think that they're a bit too caught up in their ego and in like the idea that they are on the right side of this argument and that they should just think about it more practically in terms of all right, we'll concede a bit in this arbitration thing so that we can have a season. And I think that. In my opinion, that's probably going to happen just because I feel like that there's no particular reason why both sides can't just come to an agreement. Yeah, they're definitely interested in having a season because then everyone loses a whole lot of money if there isn't a season. Yeah, but but I mean, like they yeah. really like that seems to not be their primary focus. Yeah, right? which well, it absolutely should be. I don't think it's going to be a salary cap. Like you mentioned, the owners seem to want a salary cap. We've also heard the players want less of a luxury tax, which is kind of the you know mini salary cap. So I think that what will probably end up happening is that neither side will win and it'll just kind of continue on with what they've been doing with the luxury tax. So, I mean, that's just kind of my assumption. I feel like it's mainly the players who have to kind of understand that they're not going to get everything perfectly their way. It's probably going to be mainly their way in large part because the last agreement mainly yeah, and went I mean, to the owners. Look, usually spring training starts around the beginning of March, and I think you know, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, but that's not a huge deal. I think if spring training starts by the beginning of March, season's on track. But if it goes any later than that, I really don't think the season's going to be a normal full season. And I don't think we're going to see an agreement in the next week and a half or so. It really doesn't look like that right now. So I would not be surprised if we <coughs> did not have a full season. I mean, like, I, it really doesn't look like at, at yeah, right be, now, it doesn't look like we're going to get a full season. I'd be inclined to disagree with you just because I feel like there's no, unlike with 2020 with COVID, there's no, like, real reason why that both sides wouldn't get it done when they have to. They haven't had to, ultimately. Like, guys have been, like, a gun to their head over the last few months, yeah. so they've just been, you know, squabbling and not getting anything done. But now that they have to get something done to get the season started, I think they're going to. Yeah, that's the thing. When they've had four months to decide, like, there's no way they can, like, sanely not decide in four months and delay the season. When it's like there is any upside to putting this off. Like, they get nothing out of it. They're just losing at this point. So there's no reason why they wouldn't come to an agreement now. I and mean, obviously, like, they already have blown it kind of more than I think I would have thought possible. But like, Yeah, they've really yeah. proved that, like, they really do not care that as much as they should care yeah. about the season. And they're really, both sides are just being really stubborn, yeah. not co- making any compromises. But, like, so, but waiting is not going to do anything. Sitting around arguing about it more isn't going to do anything. Yeah, so really, they, it's just a matter of, do you agree now and get a season or agree later and don't get a season? Yeah, so, so it's really yeah. just, like, compromise with each other and like get a season going because if there's not a season it's terrible for both sides so i really think they need to come to an agreement will they i don't know it doesn't look like they're gonna come to an agreement the next week and a half but hopefully they will uh but yeah anyway so that's kind of the status on the lockout update uh so there is really isn't much of an update unfortunately so the next thing we'll get to is as i mentioned i made my own list of who I think are the top 10 second baseman and shortstops for the 2021 season. So we'll start with second base. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. I don't think, I, right off the bat, I don't think I agree with Brandon Lau being your number yeah. one second baseman. Yeah, like, so so to start yeah. off, 
Mark made a list, and his top of his list is number one, Brendan Lau, two, Marcus Semien, three, Cattell Marte, four, Ozzy Albies, five, Jake Cronenworth. Yeah. yeah, I really don't agree with Brandon Lau at number one. Like, he's a pretty good player, but I don't. I wouldn't say he's the best, you know, second baseman in yeah. all of baseball. I think Marcus Semien might have that spot, honestly. Marcus Semien yeah. had a really good year last year, and I know he didn't have a great 2020, but before that he's always been a very solid offensive player for the A's, and now he, he really had a really good year. I know he's kind of on the older side, but I would expect him to have yeah. a, better, a, be- a lot I better mean, season than Brandon you Lau. You look at the... The best thing about Brendan Lau seems to be his 39 homers from last year, but Semyon hit 45. So, like, Semyon, I think he came third in MVP, right? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Yeah, so I I would also have to put Semyon above him. The thing about Brendan Lowe is that, Lau is that he's never been anything other than very good. There's no, there's no reason to believe he won't be really good since that's always been over three years in the league, whereas Marcus Marca, Semyon has been kind of up and Marca down. Marcus did mostly up lately. Marcus Semyon did win a gold glove last year. So there, you also have that to take into account. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, pay, I don't put a ton of stock in the defense. Yeah, I might. I, I think I might have Lau at number two. Although it's debatable. The only reason I wouldn't put Cattell Marte at number two is because of Cattell Marte's injury history. If Cattell Marte didn't have the injury history that he does, he might be number one because he's Thing a is, really good player. So Cattell Marte is kind of an interesting guy because 2019 he had a monster season: 3.29 batting average, 32 homers, like. 981 OPS, but in 2020, he just couldn't get the ball out of the ballpark, only hit two homers in the shortened season. Mm-hmm. In 2021, he did hit 318, but also not a whole lot of power. He also, so has, like, an, he also has an injury history, so I think, yeah, I think yeah. I would agree with those as the top three. I think I'd just switch yeah. Semyon and Lau. Well, yeah, with, with Cattell Marte, his inconsistent power production is, like, pretty rare. Usually power is something players are relatively consistent about. So I don't know. Is he going to hit 30 homers next year, or is he going to hit, like, 30? I feel like he probably won't done, hit 30 again. He's done both in the last Yeah, I, I think he might be, like, a 20 homers, you know, 300 to 320 I mean, yeah, he, average. Like, hitting over 300 in this day and age is mm-hmm. really good. So I, I think I would agree with mm-hmm. him being in the top three. Uh, then you have uh, Ozzy Albies and Jake Cronenworth. I think I agree with that. Yeah, definitely Ozzy Albies uh, is a really good player. I could almost see him being higher than that, but I don't know if you'd really be able to lower any of the other guys. But Ozzy Albies, I think he's already had a breakout year last year, but I think he could have an even more breakout year if he like combined, you know, the 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 two ninety five, three fifty batting average on base percentage with the power from this year, you know, he could be like a MVP sort of player. Yeah, and then Jake Cronenworth, I probably I think I agree with that. There's one uh, and then in the next, at number six, you have Chris Taylor. Uh, number seven, Jeff McNeil. Number eight, Jose Altuve, which I think is a little debatable. I mean, number eight, you've got a big cheater who is basically nothing without cheating. I really don't want to see Jose Altuve on this list. You've got uh, Kevin Biggio at number nine, and Mike Moustakas at number ten. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think that DJ LeMahieu has been one of the best second basemen in baseball for the yeah, the last several years, he had a really good 2020 and 2019 and 2020 with the Yankees. Not not that great of a year last year, but I think he can bounce back. Uh, I would, I really think that DJ Lay who should be on this list, and I do not think that Jose Altuve should be on this list. Yeah, well, I will clarify that I had LeMahieu at third base since that's what the Yankees are doing at the end of last year. If he were at second base, he'd probably be ahead of Altuve, although probably behind McNeil. I mean, really, Altuve did have a pretty good year last year. Yeah. 31 homers. 839 OPS. I think it's justifiable for him to be on the list. You yeah, know, that's as much probably as the maximum you can expect him, out of him. Like, 
but it is still pretty good for this position. Yeah, Kevin Biggio, I agree with. I think I agree with the list. I, I would just like to see. I don't think yeah. Mike Moustakis. Really? Yeah, I don't know what Mike Moustakis is doing. I mean, that seems I mean, like a typo to me. This guy's been bad for a while. Yeah, I might put DJ LeMahieu actually at number five if he were on this list, like instead of Cronenworth, and then basically slide everyone down. And then I might have Altuve at 10. I think Kevin Biggio is better than Altuve. Uh, Mike Moustakis was last good in like 2019. Yeah, this is when just you nonsense. Back to back bad years at his age. I don't really see him ever becoming like a non-negative player. Yeah. It's just a really tough position to it, talk. It, with I agree good with you. Guys. I agree with you. Second base is definitely not the strongest offensive yeah. position, but I I do not want to see Mike Moustakis on this yeah. list. Yeah, I mean I don't know who else I'd put on. Instead. There's a lot of weak. I would like, put DJ the main power hitters like David well, Fletcher definitely not. Nick Madrigal does hit for a good average and gets on base, but he has no power. I wouldn't put him there. Um, yeah, they're really similar aren't. story with you know. I don't know. I'd still put any of like those. Donovan Solano. I'd put someone like Donovan Solano or Nick Madrigal above Mike Moustakis. That's like Nick Madrigal. I think has like some potential. He's a young guy. He Eight. could be good in the future, but like. When is Mike Moustakas going to be good? You know, he's already, like, getting pretty old. So, like, when you're bad and old, that makes you kind of the worst of the worst. Yeah, also, I really think you're prioritizing homers over kind of, like, average and on-base percentage. Like, you, Nick Madrigal is really, you know, high on-base, high, av- <coughs> high average. I mean, like, just because Mike Moustakas hits a homer every once in a while and bats under 200... I don't think he, I mean, he's probably not even in my top twenty second. Well, the thing, thing is, you know, Nick Madrigal is never going to hit any homers. That is, like I feel a like you guarantee. know, Mike Moustakas is never going to be good. Know, he he could hit like two fifty. He might hit like you know more like two ten, two twenty, but he might hit two fifty. I don't think homers I are think, everything. I think a uh, reasonable expectation for Mike Moustakas might be like ten homers in a two hundred batting average. Whereas Nick Madrigal, you know, he could start hitting for some power. Like we've seen guys do that. Like take someone like Brett Gardner, for example. You know, you never would have thought he'd hit for any power, right? And now he's had some 20 homer seasons. Yeah, I think a Gardner is that he didn't go from, like, you know, five homers to 25 homers. That's he kind, kind of, of what he did. Up. He I'm really sure did, though. He did. It was kind of a gradual process. But, like, look, Moustakos last year, he only hit six homers. The year before that was short shortened season, but he only hit eight. Like, I don't... I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Madrigal hits more homers than Mike Moustakas. That's how bad Mike Moustakas is. Yeah. So, so like moving a, moving uh, on yeah. to shortstops. Uh, this is an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of position on like second base. elite shortstops in this yeah. day and age. There's four great guys at the top. Yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, uh, Trey Turner, Corey Seager. I think I agree with this. Those are probably the four <laughs> best top shortstops. Tatis definitely should be one. Yeah, there is a there. debate that because much, his defense is kind of bad with a lot of errors last year, he shouldn't be number one. I, I just thought his offense was so great I don't know. that made I also don't it. think his defense is going to be like a problem. Yeah, for him he, he had a lot of injuries. As last overrated year. as I uh-huh. think Tatis is, he is a great player. Like I think people tend to over like, think he's better than he is because he's a flashy player and he shows off a lot unnecessarily, which I think is disgusting. And he like is really I- incredibly arrogant when he plays. You know, I he, mean, yeah, that's it's pretty fun to watch him play. It's really yeah. not like I hate it when guys just like you know, dance around the bases and like act as if they're the greatest entity in the universe when all they do is hit a home run. Like really, people are hitting forty homers in this day and age just because you hit one doesn't mean you're the greatest thing that ever happened to the world. Like uh-uh. s- stop being so arrogant. We'll, we'll discuss guys who think they're the greatest thing in the universe later when we get to Carlos Correa, but. Tatis, 
he had some injuries last year and he had some issues with COVID. So I think that he might be better. This yeah, also, year. like, as you mentioned, you know, not Especially as great, not as great defensively. Well, he seems to think he's the greatest defensive player in the world the way he plays. Also, none of the top four guys are considered especially good on defense. I I, I don't think Bogarts is bad defensively. And now, now granted, middle infielders think he is. Middle infielders just make more errors because than like outfielders or something because you know, that's yeah, he how he makes a lot of errors for he made a ton of errors for any yeah so i, I would say still yeah shots. probably did he's at number one bogarts yeah number two bogarts is a really good yeah. player i think and he just puts up quality season after quality season you're gonna yeah. get a 300 batting average 20 30 homers uh trey turner really good Corey seager elite yeah the, those yeah. are four just elite I mean, I shortstops I, I think Corey seager is definitely a bit overrated like if i could his power numbers he hasn't hit t- 20 homers since 2017 so like he has had injuries though. Yeah, and also he's not like a huge batting average on base percentage guy. You know, last year he had a 3.94 on base percentage, but that was a bit of an aberration from yeah. three previous years not getting over 3.50. So like he is a quality player, but I think like viewing him as an elite player is a bit inaccurate. However, he is below Tatis Bogarts and Turner. Yeah, I guess so. he maybe is that quite an elite player due to injuries. <clears throat> He's the and most, he gets injured. Yeah, he's more injury that. prone than Bogarts, who has a great track record of staying healthy and turner as well yeah so like however i think putting that four is okay if he did any higher i probably would have said that that was uh overrated mm-hmm. of Corey seager overrated yeah. not a word o- yeah. overrated Corey seager yeah so number five is jonathan india yeah. and so, six is wander franco so two yeah. rookies yeah. from last and year then i also like to throw into this group number seven as boba because that's where i really disagree i think boba should be ahead of jonathan india and wander franco they're like three young players but I think Bo Bichette's the one who's actually proved it so far in his career with last season hitting 298 with 29 homers. I think Bichette's a tiny bit overrated. I think sometimes people look at the Blue Jays' great team and, you know, sometimes I will see kind of like, they kind of presume those guys are all really great, yeah. but he's not quite as but good like, as Fly Jr., obviously, or even no, Tusker no. Hernandez. Wanda Franco really played well toward the end of last year, and he's got the huge Postec pedigree. Yeah, but like, so I just really find him having last... a great year. And Jonathan India did have a really good year last year. We've, we've, there's no reason to believe Franco Thing and India is, so won't be really good. Franco and in India were rookies last Shep. year, and especially Franco, like he was solid, but he was nowhere near as good as Bobachet. Well, if you're looking at his whole season statistics, but maybe, although not really, but that much. His overall season statistics were pretty good. But the thing is, he improves as the season went along. He's really, really young, and he has the huge pedigree of being the number one prospect. But in like Bichette's also, he was also a big prospect. So if you look at these three guys, it's like three young up and coming players. They're all kind of in the same boat. There, mm-hmm. the difference is that Bichette's actually had a great season. You know, sometimes it takes guys a few years to really break out. Sometimes, got like big prospects sort of disappoint. Like, I don't really see how you have Jonathan India ahead of Bichette. Like, they're pretty much the same, except Bovichet was a bit better. Yeah, I think those guys are definitely pretty close. And they've also got Tim Anderson as kind of another similar player. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd put Tim Anderson higher, too. I I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think India and Franco are a bit too high coming off just, like, good, like, solid rookie showings, but not really, like, there yet. India kind of put together a full season. If, like, Tim Anderson, just some question about, like, will he, like, get on base at a really high clip? Since I feel like that's the thing that I think both Franco and India will do is have a really good on base percentage. Anderson is... Thing is... It's kind of... I think there's definitely a ceiling with him. You I kind of know. know that you're not going to get a superstar player, although you should get I, a very good player. I think he already is kind of a superstar player. So it's like, I don't know. Like, sure, he doesn't get on base a whole lot, but 
when you're hitting over 300, I don't really care about his on-base percentage as much. You know, I'm more of a batting average rather than on-base percentage. Kind of, we've talked about this before, how, like, mm-hmm. walks are more yeah. just the pitcher's doing. So I don't really have a problem with Tim Anderson's low walk rate when he's getting as many hits as he does. Mm-hmm. And then at 9 and 10, we've got Carlos Correa and Javi Baez. So off the list is Francisco Lindor and Trevor Story. Those are obviously some tough ambitions. I th- can kind of, as crazy as it sounds to hear Francisco Lindor not among the top 10 shortstops, if you actually look at his stats, it does kind of make sense. But Trevor Story, where is he? I, I think it's like, I don't know. I feel like I know what you're going to say, that he's in Colorado, and therefore all his hitting stats are actually worthless. But, like, how is this guy? I'd, I'd put Trevor Story 5, really. Eh. He, he had a down year last year, so that kind of concerns me a bit. I mean, he had a, a down he's, year. He's very similar was... to Arenado, except he actually has more extreme home road splits than Arenado did before he left Colorado. And then we saw Arenado not have a great year last year. I mean, I still I say... I do think that he... When his down years, like... Like two fifty, three twenty nine, four seventy one in an eight hundred OPS. That's a good year. And how about but that's 20... not a really a good year when you're doing it in Colorado. Twenty eighteen and nineteen, he had back to back elite years, over nine hundred OPS, over thirty homers, over two ninety batting average. So I have to have Trevor Story on this list. I I think that's a bit absurd actually. That I just thought that you know Correa and Baez like they're probably gonna be pretty good. I know that they haven't been super consistent, but they've kind of established themselves as like good players, although kind of overhyped players, yeah. especially Correa. I mean, Carlos Correa is the controversial one among these two. But, you know, he, I do think he deserves to be on this list, kind of like Jose Altuve with the mm-hmm. second baseman. I don't think he deserves $300 million, which is what he's probably going to be not. getting. But he should be on this list. And Javier Baez is not a bad choice. I just think that you got to have story on this list pretty high on the list too and maybe you know no jonathan india or wander frank i don't know i'm not so high on the rookies when it's such a strong position and there's a lot of other guys all right so that's going to wrap up for this week in total bases as we're out of time but we'll be back again soon with more baseball talk here in total bases on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm